This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Have you ever wondered if your cultural lens affects the way you read and interpret scripture? For example, when Paul exhorted women to dress modestly, what did he really mean? Stick around after today's Bible reading to find out. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Listening to Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Presented by Innervar City Press. The Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes, that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, 1 Samuel chapter 17. David kills Goliath. The Philistines gathered their troops for battle. They assembled at Soko in Judah. They camped in Ephes Damim, between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelite army assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah where they arranged their battle lines to fight against the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on one hill and the Israelites on another hill with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the camp of the Philistines. His name was Goliath. He was from Gath. He was close to seven feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was wearing scale body armor. The weight of his bronze body armor was 5,000 shekels. He had bronze shin guards on his legs and a bronze javelin was slung over his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the iron point of his spear weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer was walking before him. Goliath stood and called to Israel's troops, Why do you come out to prepare for battle? Am I not the Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose for yourselves a man, so he may come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and strike me down, we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and strike him down, you will become our servants and will serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy Israel's troops this day. Give me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all the Israelites heard these words of the Philistine, they were upset and very afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse from Bethlehem in Judah. He had eight sons, and in Saul's days, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The names of the three sons who went to war were Eliab, his firstborn, Abinadab, the second oldest, and Shammah, the third oldest. Now David was the youngest. While the three oldest sons followed Saul, David was going back and forth from Saul in order to care for his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Meanwhile, for 40 days, the Philistines approached every morning and evening and took his position. Jesse said to his son David, 
Take your brothers this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread. Go quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten portions of cheese to their commanding officer. Find out how your brothers are doing and bring back their pledge that they receive the goods. They are with Saul and the whole Israelite army in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning and entrusted the flock to someone else who would watch over it. After loading up, he went just as Jesse had instructed him. He arrived at the camp as the army was going out to the battle line, shouting its battle cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up their battle lines opposite one another. After David had entrusted his cargo to the care of the supply officer, he ran to the battlefront. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were doing. As he was speaking with them, the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, was coming up from the battle lines of the Philistines. He spoke the way he usually did, and David heard it. When all the men of Israel saw this man, they retreated from his presence and were very afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? He does so to defy Israel, but the king will make the man who can strike him down very wealthy. He will give him his daughter in marriage, and he will make his father's house exempt from tax obligations in Israel. David asked the men who were standing near him, What will be done for the man who strikes down this Philistine and frees Israel from this humiliation? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defies the armies of the living God? The soldiers told him what had been promised, saying, This is what will be done for the man who can strike him down. When David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard him speaking to the men, he became angry with David and said, Why have you come down here? To whom did you entrust those few sheep in the wilderness? I am familiar with your pride and deceit. You have come down here to watch the battle. David replied, What have I done now? Can't I say anything? Then he turned from those who were nearby to someone else and asked the same question. But they gave him the same answer as before. When David's words were overheard and reported to Saul, he called for him. David said to Saul, Don't let anyone be discouraged. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul replied to David, You aren't able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're just a boy. He has been a warrior from his youth. David replied to Saul, Your servant has been a shepherd for his father's flock. Whenever a lion or bear would come and carry off a sheep from the flock, I would go after it, strike it down, and rescue the sheep from its mouth. If it rose up against me, I would grab it by its jaw, strike it, and kill it. Your servant has struck down both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David went on to say, The Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear will also deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, Go, the Lord will be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his own fighting attire and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also put body armor on him. David strapped on his sword over his fighting attire and tried to walk around, but he was not used to them. David said to Saul, I can't walk in these things, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. He took his staff in his hand, picked out five smooth stones from the stream, placed them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, took his sling in hand, and approached the Philistine. The Philistine, with his shield bearer walking in front of him, kept coming closer to David. When the Philistine looked carefully at David, he despised him, for he was only a ruddy and handsome boy. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you are coming after me with sticks? Then the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come here to me, so I can give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the field. But David replied to the Philistine, You are coming against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I am coming against you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel's armies, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. 
This day, I will give the corpses of the Philistine army to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the land. Then all the land will realize that Israel has a God, and all this assembly will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver you into our hand. The Philistine drew steadily closer to David to attack him, while David quickly ran toward the battle line to attack the Philistine. David reached his hand into the bag and took out a stone. He slung it, striking the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deeply into his forehead, and he fell down with his face to the ground. David prevailed over the Philistine with just the sling and the stone. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David did not even have a sword in his hand. David ran and stood over the Philistine. He grabbed Goliath's sword, drew it from its sheath, and after killing him, he cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they ran away. Then the men of Israel and Judah charged forward, shouting a battle cry. They chased the Philistines to the valley and to the very gates of Ekron. The Philistine corpses lay, fallen along the Sharaim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from their hot pursuit of the Philistines, they looted their camp. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put Goliath's weapons in his tent. Now, as Saul watched David going out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the general in command of the army, Whose son is that young man, Abner? Abner replied, As surely as you live, O king, I don't know. The king said, Find out whose son this boy is. So when David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. He still had the head of the Philistine in his hand. Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? David replied, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, in Bethlehem. New Testament reading, 1 Timothy chapter 3 through 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Qualifications for overseers and deacons. This saying is trustworthy. If someone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. The overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must manage his own household well and keep his children in control without losing his dignity. But if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become arrogant and fall into the punishment that the devil will exact. And he must be well thought of by those outside the faith, so that he may not fall into disgrace and be caught by the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not two-faced, not given to excessive drinking, not greedy for gain, holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And these also must be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons if they are found blameless. Likewise, also, their wives must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in every respect. Deacons must be husbands of one wife and good managers of their children in their own households. For those who have served well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Conduct in God's Church I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these instructions to you in case I am delayed to let you know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, because it is the church of the living God, the support and the bulwark of the truth. And we all agree, our religion contains amazing revelation. He was revealed in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among Gentiles, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. 
1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Timothy's ministry in the later times. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times some will desert the faith and occupy themselves with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings, influenced by the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They will prohibit marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creation of God is good, and no food is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. By pointing out such things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, having nourished yourself on the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But reject those myths fit only for the godless and gullible and train yourselves for godliness. For physical exercise has some value, but godliness is valuable in every way. It holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. In fact, this is why we work hard and struggle, because we have set our hope on the living God, who is a savior of all people, especially of believers. Command and teach these things. Let no one look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in your speech, conduct, love, faithfulness, and purity. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you have, given to you and confirmed by prophetic words when the elders laid hands on you. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that everyone will see your progress. Be conscientious about how you live and what you teach. Persevere in this, because by doing so, you will save both yourself and those who listen to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. God, I thank you. Thank you, sovereign Lord, the one who gives us the power, oh God, to defeat the Goliaths, oh Lord, in our lives. The one who gives us the confidence in you, oh God, to know that you are the one who goes out with us in battle. Thank you, oh Lord God, for that example that David set. Thank you, O Lord God, but that it's by, it wasn't by might or by strength, O God, but really by your spirit, O Lord God, empowering him, O God, to defeat Goliath, O God, in doing so because he was coming against the Lord's army. He was offended by his disrespect of you and your people, God, um, and indignant about that. Thank you. Thank you for that example and showing us, O God, what it is that we are to abhor what it is that we are to disdain, O oh God. And thank you, O oh God, for your word, O oh God, in the New Testament. Lord, and I just, even before I even move on to that, Lord, I just pray for those who are facing Goliaths in their own lives, O oh Lord God, who are thinking, you know, um, and, and wondering and, and facing serious obstacles that they feel they can't overcome, O oh God. I just pray that you would show up mightily, that you would give them creativity um, and show them, O oh God, how it is that they, O oh God, can conquer and prevail, O oh Lord God, and show them that you are with them. Make your presence known to them in real ways, O oh Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for your the New Testament reading, O oh God, that talks about how we ought to live and uh, not only the requirements, O oh God, for deacons and overseers, O oh God, but we ought to have those characteristics too, O oh God. We ought to carry ourselves in those ways too as believers, O oh God, regardless of our title, regardless of our position in the church, regardless of our callings, O oh Lord God. May we all be temperate. May we all have self-control. May we all be gentle. May we all have our household in order, O oh God. 
And I pray what struck me there in that, in those passages, oh God, is the qualification of the overseer, the deacons, that they should have a good reputation among those outside of the faith. Oh God, we are in a crisis of leadership in and outside of the church, oh God. So many leaders have terrible reputations for hypocrisy, for slander, oh Lord God, for abuse, carrying on as if they've never seen or tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Father, I pray. I pray, O oh God, that you, O oh Lord God, will help us, O oh Lord God, to be people that walk in the light. It is the hypocrisy of believers and leaders in the church, O oh Lord God, that is that is repelling people, that is turning people off from the church, that's leading people to walk away from the church, O oh Lord God, and sometimes the faith altogether. God, would you help us? Would you help to to, um, we know, oh God, that you're sanctifying your church, oh God. Would you help us to examine ourselves, oh Lord God? Would you help us to live lives that are congruent with your gospel? Would you help us, oh God, to desire to have good character and to have a good reputation, oh God, among unbelievers, oh God, and absolutely among believers too? Lord, help us. Help us not to be stumbling blocks, oh God. Help us to make level paths, oh Lord God, so that the disabled can walk, oh Lord God. Would you help us, oh Lord God? Would you help us to not put any barriers in front of the gospel, any barriers, oh God, to the church, oh Lord God. Continue to clean up your church, oh Lord God. We know that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Let thy will be done, oh God. I pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. In their book, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, biblical scholars Brandon O'Brien and E. Randolph Richards shed light on the ways that Western readers often misunderstand the cultural dynamics of the Bible. When Paul exhorted women to dress modestly, he was likely not referring to racy clothing, but instead he was most likely concerned about economic modesty, that Christian women not flaunt their wealth through expensive clothes, braided hair, and gold jewelry. Getting beyond our cultural assumptions is increasingly important for being Christians in our interconnected and globalized world. Learn to read scripture as a member of the global body of Christ with the book, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, The Word. That's promo code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivpress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag TruthsTable. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee.